In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Have you ever read a book or watched a movie where you know a lot more about what's going on than the characters do? You get to hear what everyone's thinking. You get to watch all the action no matter where it takes place as it happens. You get to even sometimes see behind the scenes. And guess what? Your protagonists don't. And then, while reading or watching, have you ever read or saw something on the page or on the screen and thought to yourself or maybe turned to someone else and said, what idiots, what morons? How could they make that decision? That was stupid. Doesn't he know how his wife really feels about him? Why are they running into the house? Don't they know the killer is always hiding in the house? No, the characters don't, because we have more knowledge than they do about what's going on. It's easy to read Job's story and stop and criticize him, for we know he's being tested. We read that in chapter 1. But guess what? Job isn't reading his own story until later. He's living it. God has answered Job but never once explained to him why all these things that's happened to him have happened to him and why he's suffering. Instead, he's answered the thrust of his two main complaints. The first is that the world's chaotic and God must not be in control. But God spends the majority of his conversation with Job explaining a place full of order, a place of freedom and beauty but not one that's necessarily centered on human beings and full of wild animals and wonders that Job can't even imagine, has never thought about in his life. But more importantly, Job has been complaining that God has been ignoring him. Even after making the declaration, I know that my Redeemer lives and that at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my body has been destroyed, then in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see on my side, my eyes shall behold, and not another. But even after that, Job in his despair claims God's not hearing him, that God's nowhere to be found. But after God's presence is fully revealed, Job says to God, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Job's profound desire to be in the presence of God has been fulfilled. He's seen God, and that vision moves him out of despair back into life again. And Job realizes finally that the whole world and everything going on in it does not revolve around him. And Job still has a role to play. I want to read the three verses that were not in our readings this morning. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Timonite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you've not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourself. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You've not spoken the truth about me, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Job was able, even after all of this, to be intercessor for his friends. Now, 
Over the centuries, many have pointed out the similarities between Job and Jesus. Both are righteous, both suffer, both cry out to God, and both are eventually restored. And Job, the righteous who suffered, interceded for his friends, even after all they had said and done to him, and pleaded for God's mercy. And God heard, and God forgave them. In our epistle lesson this morning, we read that we have a great high priest who's interceding for us. Over the last two weeks, we've read about why Jesus is a better high priest than the sons of Aaron. Today, we read about hope, since Jesus is our permanent high priest. He is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. And unlike the other high priests, Jesus doesn't have to start by asking forgiveness for himself. Job, while righteous, never says, I've never sinned. He just says, I don't think I've sinned in this case. There's nothing coming to mind as to why God would be judging me. And Jesus, unlike Aaron and his descendants, doesn't have to make sacrifices for us daily either. We've had one oblation of himself once offered, a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world. And this new oath, our new covenant, at its core, does not rely on our own human frailty for our, for our salvation. Thank God we no longer have to rely on our memory, our ability, or our own holiness, or that of another human being to be made righteous. Instead, we've been appointed for us one son to be our perfect high priest forever. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me out of all my terror. Our psalm this morning resonates with what we've been reading the last few weeks. Job sought to hear from God and he did. In our gospel this morning, we meet Bartimaeus, who is blind, sitting on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. And in this case, when Bartimaeus finds out it's Jesus who's passing, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what does the crowd do? They tell him to shut up. So he cries out even louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, it's a little bit ironic that Bartimaeus, who is blind, can see who Jesus is. This is the first time in Mark's gospel that someone calls him son of David. Bartimaeus here is saying that he's the Messiah. Bartimaeus knows who Jesus is, even though the crowd who can see him don't. And our great high priest, hearing Bartimaeus, hearing his persistent cry, stops and says, call him here. He gets up and heads over to Jesus, and Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus doesn't hesitate in replying, my teacher, let me see again. And Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regains his sight. And it's interesting to note that it says he follows him, meaning Jesus, on the way. Now what's amazing is he didn't do what we mostly hear when we see people healed in the Gospels. Normally, they go away happy. Sometimes they come back and thank Jesus. But they almost always walk away, never to be heard from again. But Bartimaeus, after being healed, turns and follows Jesus. Doesn't Bartimaeus' story sound a little bit like us this morning? 
spiritually blind, spiritually broken, waiting on someone or something, sometimes not even realizing that there was the chance for a change. Then Jesus comes by, and we cry out to him, and he calls us over. Sometimes we stumble on our way, and he heals us. But then, then we have a choice to just accept what's been given and go about in our way, or to start to follow him. Like Job, we don't always understand what's going on in our life, why things are happening the way they are, or what's going to happen next. But God has called us to follow him and to intercede. As Jesus said in Matthew, he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. We don't know what our next steps are, but we do know the end of the story. And this morning I urge, just don't receive what you need from Jesus and go about your business. Instead, turn and follow him. Amen.